Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the Tunis and Me, Mariam, with a U, and my fellow host, Mariam, with an A. Say Assalamualaikum, Mariam. Waalaikum salam, Mariam. Mariam, have you just Pardon? Sorry, have you just two seconds? Um, it looks like we've got some technical issues at the moment. Just a moment, right? Two seconds. Am I good to still keep talking? Um, um, just, yeah, actually, yeah, you are. You're fine. Everything's working. It's just me. <laughs> Being extra, extra, like, careful. That's good. <laughs> Mariam's producing the show today as well as presenting, so Allah reward her for that. I am not the most technical, so I um, dodged that one. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, how are you, Mariam? Uh, alhamdulillah, I'm good. Uh, just fasting's getting to me a little bit, <laughs> but I'm getting there. Allah, Allah make it easy for you and accept it from you and all of us. I mean... Um, yeah, so, good alhamdulillah. It's my first day off in a very long time, so I just have been a little bit of a vegetable today. I'm finding it the same. I, I don't usually, alhamdulillah, find fasting too difficult, but this year, I'm it just maybe lockdown and then getting out of lockdown and that whole kind of change up of routine. But I must admit, I have found it rather difficult this week, this week, this month. Um, so yeah, but inshallah, the first week usually is a little bit of a transition, isn't it? And then it gets it gets easier. So let's pray it gets easier. But um, so just a little bit about the series. In the series, we're going to be talking and summarizing key points of some really popular um, personal development books. Uh, last week we did Atomic Habits. I really ambitiously thought we probably get we could get through the whole of the book in one show, but we didn't. We got pretty. We did pretty well. We got quite far um, into the points. But what we're going to do today is we're going to so, uh, finish the points from last week and then we're going to start the um, new topic which is the book The 4 Hour Workweek. I don't know if you've heard of it Mariam? Yeah I've came across it. I've heard of it on um, on social media actually. It's a really big thing I've heard you know where yeah. you're meant to be more productive because this idea of you know having 8 to 10 hour work days. Mm -hmm. Are you saying 4 hour work day or 4 hour work week? Work week. A 4 hour work week so you work 4 yeah. hours a week Yep, it's brilliant. Oh. It's, we'll go into it a little bit more, but like passive income and oh. it's it's brilliant. It's really, really good. But um, we had lots of great interaction last week, alhamdulillah. We had lots of comments. So we're hoping for the same today. So do get in touch. Um, Mariam will tell you how you can comment and get in touch because that's part of the technical side. So where can they comment, Mariam? So you guys can comment on our Facebook stream, our YouTube stream. Um, I believe we've got TikTok. Um, oh. and uh, yeah, we've got uh, Twitter as well. So Newcastle Fast Rem is on the Twitter. You can mm -hmm. like and share on there and Instagram as well. So it's on the screen now for you guys to interact with us. Brilliant. So we do have a, every week we're going to do a giveaway, inshallah. So every week we'll be giving away a Baraka box to the person that comments with the best productivity tip. Um, so a Baraka box is a luxury graze box filled with Sunnah foods. Uh, Mariam, since you were one of the first to receive a Baraka box and since it's probably biased, if I um, explain, um, tell me how your experience was with your Baraka box. Yeah, um, well, it's on the screen now. So I've put a picture on so you guys can see it. And it was such a, like, an amazing experience. As soon as he gave it to me, I was in the car leaving like, leaving to go home. And we just, did, me and my sister, we dug her into it. We're like, om nom nom. My personal favorites are the mixture between the dates and the cheese. Um, those are my personal favorites. Uh, the cheese and the crackers are really nice. 
um, and the banana loaf with the honey. I, I used the banana loaf to dip into honey. That was really nice sort of uh, combination of sweet and a bit like uh, a dry bread with something sweetened and um, succulent. Um, but then roulade, the, what's it called? The roulade cheese or roux cheese? The <laughs> roux, were... yeah, the soft cheese. That's The flavours are so good on that. Yeah, you can't go wrong with chocolate covered day. Yeah, that's it. So, Jazakallah Khair for that. On with the show. So, as I said, we're going to summarise the four points last week. So, we did uh, Atomic Habits last week. Um, and we were just uh, discussing the four points of building and creating useful habits. So, the four, the process of building habits can be split into four stages. So, it was cues, craving, response and reward. Can you remember anything from last week, Mariam? Or would you like me to summarise it? No, can you summarise it? <laughs> That's fine. It has, it has been a week. So the cues trigger the brain to initiate the action. So we're talking about building habits here and building systems. Um, rather than, we said we mentioned last week that we we're trying to avoid the whole idea of goals because goals without habits, you can, you can reach your goal, but if you haven't put a system in place, it just means that you will find yourself back in the same place. So we're trying to build really good systems and really good habits. So the first, um, the first, first stage, sorry, is the cue. So the, as I said, the cue trick is the brain to initiate the action. The craving provides a motivational force. Um, the response is the kicking into action, uh, is, is you kicking into action. And then the reward is the goal. So the first law really is to make it obvious. That's the cue, to make it obvious. So I can't remember, did we talk about this offline or was it on the show? I can't remember about taking vitamins. Um, I think it may have been on the show, but I ha I think a lot of us could do with taking a bit extra supplements. I know a lot of people of cover, so, color, sorry, um, struggle with like vitamin deficiencies. And I wasn't previously the best at taking them regularly. Um, but my cue was to put them right at my bedside table so on my bedside table not in my bedside table with my water and my other supplements and I found that because it was there in my face ready next to my bed um, I, I was um, more likely to um, take them and I was a lot more consistent as well and I'm worried you were saying last week that you had them inside your drawer um, yeah and, it's, and it's, it's, it. yeah. sorry go on I'm oh, sorry were you gonna say it seems to be what I was going to say, and it seems like such a tiny shift from having it in your drawer, bedside drawer, mm -hmm. and on top of your bedside drawer, but it does make the difference because it's having it there in your like in your face, in your line of vision. Yeah, for me, I had to start putting an alarm on, um, <laughs> like on yeah. my cylinder to remind me, okay, every 10, 12 days take the next vitamin D. And, and now I don't even keep it upstairs. I realise I don't eat upstairs. I eat downstairs and you meant to have vitamin D with the biggest meal of the day or the, the biggest, fattiest meal of the day. Oops. And obviously just because it's a fat soluble um, vitamin isn't it vitamin d mm. so you're not meant to have it on an empty stomach so i realized i should actually keep my vitamin d downstairs what's the point i haven't got upstairs yeah, <laughs> so that's that's that I, uh, things i do to improve my habit oh that's a very good point actually i've been taking it now i've been taking it in the morning with no meal so that's actually a, just a side tip for me um so yeah that's that's it really and, and i'm sure we can think of plenty of other examples like um, I know a lot of people say keeping your gym kit like right at the bottom of your bed if you work out in the morning. It just means that it's right there. It's easy. There's no, it's all laid out. There's no decision you have to make. You don't have to remember it. It's there. So having these cues there um, are a good start in building those habits because you're making it obvious. You're um, keeping them visible. So that's cue. The second law is to make it attractive. So 
this relates to the craving aspect of the habit loop and it tries to take advantage of what we know about dopamine so we're always motivated by the anticipation of reward so making habits attractive will kind of will get us to stick to them so I think last week you were talking about it was working out again and it was and it was for you it was having really nice gym clothes wasn't it was that am I right yeah. correct me if I'm wrong yeah investing in something that makes you feel good while trying yeah that's design. it so it's funny because yours so your um the thing that made working out attractive for you was the the the, the gym kit but for me it was the idea of a really nice hot long shower afterwards so having that reward <laughs> having that incentive is something else that will help you help the habit stick of whatever it may be can you think of any other examples so like in your everyday life you mean yeah like uh i know some people have like if they're wanting to eat healthy they have like a cheat day <laughs> so that's kind of like oh if i get if i eat like six days good on the seventh day i can like eat a little bit more like of what I actually want to eat rather than eating super healthy or, or that kind of thing. Like having an incentive, having a reward, um, so making the habit attractive. So yeah, so that's that's the third, that's the mm -hmm. second law, sorry. Um, the third law is to make it easy. So reduce the friction. Um, and so I'm trying to think for, for me, I, I know this is probably not advised in a lot of other contexts. It's, you know, they always say, keep different areas of your life um, separate from your bedroom, your bedrooms for sleeping and all that kind of thing. But for me, having my, I have, an ex, I have an exercise bike, like a spin bike. So having my bike in my bedroom is something that makes it really easy because it's just right there. If I'm chilling in my bedroom, it's, it's, I don't have, I know it sounds really silly, but I think we all know that we make, when it's, especially when it comes to working out, we probably make, find excuses like, oh, I can't be bothered to go downstairs or, you know, it's in the other room and it might be a tiny thing, but it's just that friction that will put us off doing the actual thing. So um, for me, it's, yeah, it's having my bike in my bedroom. It's having my books out. Um, even my having my Quran on my phone, I found that having it on my phone, at first I was like, oh, it's, I'd rather read the actual mushaf. I'd rather actually just have it in my hand and read it. But I found when that was the case, I didn't read it as much because maybe I had time and I was out and about and I didn't have it with me or I was upstairs or for whatever reason it may be but having it on my phone and having you know having it right there just made it easy um and it was it meant I was you know less likely to procrastinate so yeah so re reducing friction and making it easier so anything any examples you can give from your experience Mariam so are we we're not talking about um rewards system are we anymore more no much... now we're talking about making things easier so having so they're all kind of they're all tie in with each other yeah they sound like it they're definitely tie in with each other but they're slightly different so the the um this one is making it easier so having things right there um and reducing that friction so for what example if you don't asking can you elaborate on reducing the friction like, it's like um this, reducing the steps it takes to do the habit. Whoa. So, so do you know, you, yeah. sorry, go on. Is that the reason why a lot of people tend not to be able to fulfill habits, do you, do you think? Because yeah. there's too many steps, or do you think it's because people aren't able to discipline themselves enough? I you think know it's I mean? probably a bit of both, but in order to discipline yourself, you have to make it easy for yourself. I know, um, for example, I know I got rid of a lot of social media um just for work purposes now I've had 
had to download them all. But previously, I found it was a massive distraction, a huge waste of time. And so I decided to get rid of all the social media apps off my phone. Um, and a, a friend did actually say to me once, well, why can't you just discipline yourself? Why do you have to take that step? But I disagree. I think that is part of disciplining yourself is making it easy. Why make it hard when you can, you know, take those distractions away? And I think reducing friction and reducing the steps. And another example, I think apologies to listeners. I think it's going to be a common theme, theme of eating well and exercising. Because I think those are the most kind of uh, most popular habits that people want to build generally, you know, having a better lifestyle and looking yeah. after themselves. But for example, if I, when I used to, uh, go to a gym visit a gym as much as I really really enjoyed it and I was regular I must admit working from home during the lockdown it is a lot easier because you know going to the gym you've got to make your way there and then obviously get changed there because it, it's female only gym you're not gonna wear I'm not gonna wear my gym kit so getting changed there and it's all these steps in between just mean that I'm less like I'm more likely to make excuses and less likely to actually actually attend the gym whereas if the bike is right here in front of me there's less friction there's less I have less excuses um and so it's just it's just a lot easier so having those having it taking those things away taking those steps in between away just makes it a lot easier so yeah so that's reducing friction does that make sense yeah yeah no it does I mean I can understand why some people might disagree with you know or no you should just discipline it like that attitude no you should just be able to discipline yourself but like what you said now I didn't think of it from your perspective until you mentioned it this is this is my like when you say this is my way of disciplining mm. myself it's by yeah. making certain things especially the social media type of example that you give um about social media addiction and stuff like that yeah so, it's that true so I, I originally I was of that mindset no you, people should be strong enough to discipline themselves <laughs> quite hard yeah. Critical. but yeah you need to do what you need to do to make your life work I think I think well, that's yeah. the main, main getaway point I've taken from what you've just mentioned yeah definitely I think another example that ties in with the whole kind of well-being thing is um people because you could apply that and say well so for me if I wanted to break a habit of snacking I'd be like well let's not keep snacks in the house that's obviously as long as everybody else agrees or if it's just you in the house or wh whatever it may be I wouldn't want to keep snacks in the house because then it would just be that temptation that would be there I'd be more likely to snack and um, if we were to use your previous attitude and the attitude of my other friend and say well no why don't you just discipline yourself leave the snacks in the house I just think that's really um I don't think I for me I I don't think that's productive or a good way of doing it for me personally may, other people may be strong enough to be able to self-discipline themselves in that way but for me it's about making it easier and that's the kind of point of the book is in order to develop had ha, develop habits and create systems you need to make it easier for yourself why not that's the, the most efficient way of doing things so yeah so that was the third rule the fourth law or rule is to make things immediately satisfying so for example i'm trying to think of an example um just getting some immediate gratification so i guess the the shower um example works again you know after working out i get that immediate reward of having that nice long shower or bath or whatever it may be um or for example if i want to read more i I know that, okay, I'll have my cup of coffee or my cup of tea with my book. So I get that immediate reward. I know that when I go and sit down to read, 
I'm gonna have a cup of coffee with me as well. And that's an instant reward. So come back, so that's kind of like the fourth law is a kind of instant reward, instant gratification. So Can yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just throw a little caveat out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, little span in the works, but do you not think sometimes though the idea of having a reward system in place can diminish people's um like sincerity when they do things? So for example, um I'll give you an example of what people often say in terms of parenting parenting. So they say, like, don't just reward your child, for example, uh, for doing something good. Or Like, this is what they call, um, uh, what's, what's that term called? Reinforced, like, uh, behaviour reinforcement? Yeah. That, that type of thing. Because sometimes, then, the, when the child grows up, if you're going to reinforce that behaviour by, well done, pat on the back, here's a reward for doing something that you should be doing anyways, although the child can't understand that at that age, when they get older, they're going to have a sense of entitlement. So do you not think this feeds into the reason why some people can't discipline themselves to begin with? Coming back to that original point. Because I, no, I disagree yeah. because, it well, it depends. It depends on how you're rewarding that child. I think if you're rewarding that child with stuff, I mean, every child is different and, and every kind of parenting journey is different. But I, I think it depends. If you're going to reward them with, you know, um, positive words or like uh something like physical touch you know we last year i think we mentioned talked about love languages but if you're rewarding them with something positive a positive kind of gesture i guess then i don't think it is because that's gonna their brain is gonna associate that action or that habit with something positive and then they are going to be most likely to do it does that make sense yeah so i i disagree i I think like Mm. i said it depends if you're just if you're like okay well if you I know a lot of people like if you fast then you get like a toy each day well I, I guess that's different because the children so I'm trying to think with another, another example I guess like with oh. grades and stuff like oh if you get good yeah. grades you get a, a a treat I guess it's the way you do it I don't I don't agree completely but I don't disagree I guess, I guess and what I'm trying to say is it's it's how you do it it's how you explain it. Um, the entitle- entitlement happens when it's just a, it's constant and it's not the the parents don't explain why they're giving it. If that does that make sense? Yeah. Well, mm. yes and no. I mean, there's a there's another Miriam that's um in the comments, right? I put it on the screen. Uh-huh. There's another Miriam here, and she's actually goes, yeah, the reward method doesn't work for me because it's instant gratification, and I got to learn to be patient for the rewards from Allah. So this is like from an adult perspective, but. This is what I mean when it comes to like children and adults. This is like a, sometimes we have a dependency. I'll give you yeah. another example that's not related to children. Yeah, go on. It's more like spouses. So do you know often you often have that um, you see in like loads of social media like funny little videos of husband and wives. Yeah. You know, uh, playing in the stereotypes. Um, yes. and it's like oh, the husband leaves his stuff all around the house, and uh, you know, the wife has to come pick it up, and it's a bit annoying, and it's sort of like that dependency of you know someone has brought this sort of attitude into childhood because when you're a child you would do that you'd leave your rubbish all around the house and some parents would pick it up and then and adulthood it's sort of seeped in that way so again it's like only if you're going to get rewarded um are you then going to change your behavior but i don't think as an adult that's really appropriate because for example um some people will, might have compromised in their relationships or the husband will do the dishes if the wife does the cleaning but then the husband wants a reward for doing that Oh, like a well done pat on the back, thank you. I know it helps with human behaviour to have that, you know, positive. Yeah, affirmation. I was going to get to that. Yeah, and um, having the positive, positive affirmation. But then I think 
there should also be an expectation that these this is meant to be part of your life you don't get rewarded for everything that you do so I think it's different I think it's different because we're talking so there's there's a few different things going on here so for children I think it's good for them to learn that if they work hard they will get rewarded so I think from a child's perspective I understand that every parenting style like every parent-child relationship and dynamic is different so this is obviously not going to apply I definitely see the logic of where you're coming from but I also I also disagree slightly because I think that if you for example for example okay there are certain things that children should do and should learn to do but in order to raise capable children and to um motivate them to be independent and give them say to give them the extra chores like okay so a child say that a child is supposed to do the bedroom but say if they were to take out the trash they get some sort of kind of reward obviously at that age taking out the trash is probably not something that is expected of them but that teaches them that you know if i do it's teaching them a good work ethic if i work harder and i do things that are not expected of me so not like your bedroom and things that you're expected to do um, then I will get a reward. So I think that teaches a good work ethic. It teaches them good habits and it, it, it teaches them the habits easier because they have that incentive. And obviously from a biological point of view as well, our brains have evolved to prioritize, prioritize like immediate rewards over delayed ones. So they, they say that the cardinal rule of behavior is to like immediately reward what is repeated and re- immediately punish what is immediate, immediately punish what is avoided that I made a meal of that but do you know what i mean does that make yeah. sense kind of yeah i understand what you mean that doesn't mean i agree <laughs> that's fine you don't have to agree, you don't have to agree this but... is interesting this is interesting because the yeah. commentary some comments are um for example i put another one on the screen Miriam goes yes of course we as humans naturally need an incentive to change or become better so for example um, we do require it to a certain degree, but I don't think it's something that we should become... Real. That's my point. We do require it to a certain degree, that affirmation. Yes, well done. Oh, no, that's bad. Whatever the situation is. But I don't think we should become reliant upon it, if that's... If that, that yeah, sense. that's fine. So going back into adulthood, because adulthood, we were talking about children, going on into adulthood, it doesn't mean that we reward ourselves for every single thing that we do. And also, it doesn't mean that the reward should be a thing. It could just be a positive affirmation, which I feel is... It's not too much. Like I have no problem with with that. Um, but we're talking about habits and specific habits. And if mm-hmm. there is a habit that you want to uh, have stick and you're finding it difficult, then I think in that particular case, having that incentive is not a bad thing. I think yeah. for me, um, okay. I agree with what you're saying with generally, generally we shouldn't have that like for everything, everything that we do. But I, this is talking about specific habits and those habits, if you're struggling with them, having that incentive, if it's going to make it easier, is i think for me is um i i kind of agree with that i I see where you're coming from i definitely see where you're coming from we should be patient for our rewards um but i think that if it goes back to the whole you you know you shouldn't have to take your social media away you shouldn't have to take the snacks away you should just discipline yourself for me i'm all about making my life easier and if it makes my life easier and it's within my means then i'm going to do it obviously becoming reliant on it is something different but i think that only applies if you're going to do it for every single habit um, but if you're just doing it for specific habits, then I don't think it's much of a problem. Mm. So that was that. <laughs> any, <laughs> any other comments on that? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's, that's it for now. That's it. Alhamdulillah. That was really good. And Jazakallah for all your comments. Please um, continue commenting. Um, we're really interested to hear your thoughts. Um, but those were really the four laws of kind of getting habits to stick. 
Um, and we really stop to think about our own habits or think about long-term change when we, you know, when we start a new regime like the gym. But the power of atomic habits and, and the book is the emphasis that it's the systems rather than the goals, as we mentioned last week. So that's really, really important. I think people think that, oh, these tiny little things aren't going to make a difference. Like, why should I just do this tiny little, this little habit is not going to make a difference in the long run. So there's no point. But obviously last year we mentioned about little and often and how that actually overall can have a massive impact. Um, And so small habits may be small, but collectively and given time, they they have like a remarkable power to make a massive change to our lives. So that's kind of like, the Atomic Habits book in a nutshell. I would definitely recommend reading it. It's fantastic. It really, I mean, like I said, we just whizzed through it. It's, it's, there's so much, so many kind of nuggets of beneficial information um, and too much to go through in, you know, an hour's show. But um, I would definitely recommend it. We will try and put the link on um, wherever, wherever we're putting links. I said, Mariam's doing the links. And um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Mariam, you said that you haven't read it. Would you read it after this kind of summary yes. that we've done? It's my favourite expanding list of books that are yet to be read. <laughs> very, very huge, huge list. Yeah. Are we getting, um, are we having breaks um, during our show, no. Mariam? So should we continue and we'll crack straight on? So that we've was Sorry, we've got a comment. So we've got another comment. I've just put on the screen. It says, it. I think it really only takes, I think it really only once takes 30 days to start a new habit. So the key to good habits is consistency. Um, 100%. Yeah. And there's another comment uh, by Nuhu Ahmed. If oh, I get rewarded every good thing I do, I will get thinking. When I don't get rewarded for it, then I will say, why didn't I get this reward? So you'll question it. Like if, when, when you don't get, when you withhold, do you know that possibly Yeah. Happens? So, but then it goes back to having yeah. them for everything and having them for specific things. So in the book, it's not talking about having it for every single action, every single habit, because obviously there are some habits that we find much easier. So for me, alhamdulillah, like eating healthy, it's not, it's not a struggle for me. I don't need that incentive to eat healthily. Therefore, I'm not going to rely on that. Same with uh, exercising. Reading, as much as I love reading, you go through kind of, phases of where it becomes a little bit more difficult you may be busier or you may not have the headspace so in that case where i find it a habit trickier then i would probably apply that 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 rule um so yeah so doing it for everything i completely agree oh i can see i can see the comment now doing it for everything i agree um is probably not the best but for certain habits that you struggle with um me personally um i don't think the problem with but obviously each to their own everybody has their own way of doing things and things different things work for different people this is just really just covering what I said in the book um and it's good that we have different opinions Mariam on this because it means that we can share both sides so that's really really good alhamdulillah so do we have any other comments uh that's it for now that's it so we'll move on to the next book which is the four hour work week and that's by Tim Ferriss um it's, this is brilliant. It's really, really, you said that you've heard about it before, hadn't you? So it's basically the book is about how the life we want is closer than we think. So there are a few key ideas within the book that we'll cover. And inshallah, we hope that you guys benefit. Um, we hopefully, because there's quite a lot to cover, what we'll do is rather than rushing, we'll probably 
stretched out throughout the rest of Ramadan and the rest of the series, and we'll see where we go. I've got a few other book titles in mind, so if we can get the, we we can um, complete this book, then we may move on. If not, what we'll do is we'll put a reading list up towards the end of Ramadan for any books that we recommend. Mariam, if you have any as well, you just, um, we can share them, inshallah. Got so, Lord. yeah. <laughs> Pardon? Got loads. Well, yes, I, you, I know you have. <laughs> you have a lot, mashallah. So um, the first key idea in the book is the difference between the deferrers and the new rich. So the book talks about two types of people um, and the difference between them. So you've got the deferrers and you've got the new rich so on one side we've got the deferrers these people are the old have that kind of old school way of thinking they're the people that sacrifice their lives to the idea of retirement so these people might follow a more traditional path they like work for 30 40 years and then retire at 65 um, and tim ferris in the book the author would say these people are living a deferred life plan hence the deferrers which is that i'm gonna work really really hard when i'm young and when I'm in my physical prime, and when I retire, only then I'll be able to, able to enjoy my life properly. Um, and I think this is the attitude of a lot, um, a lot of people, actually. In my experience, it's the attitude of a lot of um, people from an older generation, I would say. I mean, I think a lot of younger people will have that attitude as well. But in my personal experience, I know people uh, from an older generation and also first generation um, parents as well um, I've, I've kind of seen this so that's the one the, the one group of people he talks about the, on the other side we've got the new rich so these people are these are the people who have more of a new school approach to life that's how he describes it um, i.e they try and live the retired lifestyle throughout their life and they tend to alternate um, through periods of work periods of fun periods of holiday and the goals of these kind of people are to free up their time and location so they're not tied down to a specific place or a specific job, which automatically makes their money worth 10 times more, really, depending on where they plan to go. Because if you're doing a job and you're not tied down to it, so, so you're doing something, you have an online business, for example, it, and you can go and live somewhere uh, that where the cost of living isn't as expensive. That means your money is going to go further. So these are the new rich people. So they want to be able to travel the world, new, learn new skills, spend time doing whatever they want instead of being, you know, tied down and rely on their work. Um, does that make sense, Mariam, so far? Yeah, so are these, the, you've got the deferrers and then you've got the new rich people who live as yeah. if they're all retired. Yeah, so the deferrers are kind of like the old school approach of grind hard and then um, enjoy your life when you're retired, when you're old and retired. Whereas the new rich, the new school way of thinking, as he describes it, is more um, spreading your your retirement life, lifestyle throughout your life. So rather than just working really hard and not enjoying yourself and just like thinking, oh, I'll enjoy myself when I'm retired. Enjoying yourself throughout your life, having that balance of, yeah, I'm going to work hard, but I'm also going to have periods of where my, this uh, way of working, which we'll get on to, allows me to travel. I'm going to travel for a bit long period of time. Like I'm going to go and, you know, for a few months, go and live abroad or wherever it may be. Or I'm just going to take time out of work um, and learn a new skill. Um, and so that's that's kind of the attitude of the new rich. We will get on, we'll, we'll explore a little bit more further on. The, the, the idea of the new rich was a pretty radical idea when Tim Ferriss first suggested it in 2000 
six or seven. So it's been quite a while. But now it's become a little bit more mainstream and I think it's a bit more accessible as an idea because now we've got like digital nomads, we've got the creator economy, we've got loads of people doing businesses online um, and living the lifestyle where they're not tied down um, to anything or, you know, a certain place or job, especially with the whole remote from working and working from home thing being accelerated doing, due to the pandemic. I think a lot of people are finding that actually they don't have to go into the office nine to five every day. They can actually, there's a lot of work that can actually be done from home and well so that's kind of like the new the new rich attitude and like I said due to the pandemic and the lockdown and people working from home it's really kind of pushed the idea that you know it can work um so yeah so there are eight simple rules that Tim Ferriss says you need to follow if you want to be part of the new rich and uh, which we're going to go through before we do um I can't usually I can see Mariam so I can see her face whether she's like on the same page or not so that's <laughs> and I can't today this is why I keep like checking in with her like does that make sense you can be like the listener so yeah does that make sense do you have any, yes. any thoughts on the, the two types of people and, and what do you think do you are you a deferrer are you a new rich what do you where do you feel I mean we haven't really gone into it yet but from what we've said so far do you know what I feel like I want to be a new rich person but I just literally can't afford to so you have to be a well, but a deferrer is just basically what they say in sociology is someone who delays gratification, don't they? They delay it until later on. But like, I think from what you've described with the book so far, is that if you delay your gratification, if you're a deferrer for later on in life or when you're at retirement age, your your youth is gone, your time's gone. Exactly. You just like an exactly. old part by then. <laughs> Literally, yeah. He says that the book, it, it, it's true. That's exactly right. You What? You're going to enjoy everything when you, your knees have gone and your hips have gone and your joints have gone. Like, it's too late like what there's there's no point and you know who knows we're not even promised tomorrow so why are you gonna wait all of these years to then probably not get the most of it the book actually oh. i know pardon oh, no, i didn't say anything oh sorry there's a little squeak um the book actually tells us as i said before the book tells us that actually the life that we want is closer than we think and it is more uh it's more it's it's, it's yeah it's close, yeah it, we can get it easier than we think basically so you know you were saying that oh, i'd love to be a new rich but i'm a deferrer well the book really really explains well how easy it is to actually be a new rich person and it's not as uh out of reach the lifestyle is not um as out of reach as we may think so we'll crack on straight with the rules there's, as, as i said there's eight rules that he said tim ferris the author says you need to follow if you want to be part of the new rich and the first one is interest and energy are cyclical, i.e. we should be trying to alternate between periods of work, periods of rest and periods of rest. And we want to distribute these periods of mini retirements throughout our lives instead of working really hard for 40 years and then saving retirement until we're 65. And, you know, as we said before, our knees have gone, our joints have gone, you know, we've, wasted, you know, we've spent all that time and we don't we can't fully enjoy them obviously it depends on people's fitness but generally speaking so that's the first point um it's the the whole thing of balance and balance generally we know we talk we know that even islamically that balance is so important you know yeah we definitely encourage to work hard and we have responsibilities but we also have we have um responsibilities on ourselves you know we've got to look after our bodies we've got to look after our well-being mental physical so having those times of rest are just as important and obviously burnout is such a massive thing now and if we work really you know 
if we work really, really, really hard and we burn out because we haven't rested, then that's going to affect our productivity as well. So uh, friends of mine that are listening will probably laugh because this is this is basically what I exactly what I do. <laughs> so this advice is for myself first and foremost before anybody else. But yeah, it's it's really important to distribute these periods, as I said, of rest and play and work. Um, and that is the first kind of first rule that Tim Ferriss says um, that we must apply in order to get that new rich lifestyle. So yeah, I think we've kind of covered that. Do you agree with that, Mariam? Just balancing things and, yes. uh, and because, not... Yes. Uh, someone actually said in the comments, because you're not even guaranteed to enjoy yourselves. Like, you, you can you could be spending your entire work, um, your youth working, and then by the time you want to retire, you could, like, die before then. So exactly. all that spent you, all that life you spent <laughs> before you died has just been spent working and you didn't have anything to sort of... Yeah, it's true. It. It's true. There's there's death, which is rather grim, but true. There's health issues. Obviously, the older we get, we do like obviously we're not as fit, generally speaking. It's also like spending time with family, spending time with your children. You know, there's so many parents that work so hard and miss out on, you know, the 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 growing up of the children. You know, their their child's kind of. Um, being a part of the child's life even and yeah. what is what you oh okay I'll, I'll i'll rest i'll have fun when they're older what when they've moved away and they've started their own lives and you know whatever it may be it's now's the time you know to enjoy the blessing that you've been given uh, and take part so that's another example of why you know it's it's not great just to like work really 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 hard and think of nothing else and enjoy nothing else deferring it to retirement because we're not promised retirement really so yeah that's the first rule uh, just add something before you uh, continue Maria. yeah we've just been discussing has reminded me of an article i read um a little while ago about uh s someone who interviewed people who deal with people who are terminally ill and so the these types of people who deal with those who are terminally ill or basically people who are dying on their deathbeds for different reasons um mm. they put together a list five, like five top things that people regret um, of, of those who are dying so the top five regrets of the dying people um, mm -hmm. so the here it is uh, not necessarily in order that I'm reading out but number mm -hmm. one I wish I'd had the courage to live a life that's true to myself and not the life that others expected of me number yeah. two so the second um, top regret of the dying or those who are about to die is I wish I hadn't worked so hard yeah <laughs> looking into that point that you just made I was hard if you can't reap the benefits of your yeah. hard work number three i wish i had the courage to express my feelings number four i wish i had stayed in touch with my friends because often yeah. things things like work can get in the way like when we work ourselves to death and you don't yeah. have that sort of, uh in, into intermediary between life pleasure yeah. and stuff and number five i wish i let myself be happier that is that is incredible because i literally i am also reading another recommendation um, the five second rule by mel robbins fantastic wow. book um brilliant she started off um her first i think public talk was a ted talk so if you type in ted talk mel robbins i highly highly recommend it and i highly recommend her book it's one of the ones that we're hoping to cover within the series but she says something similar because she's actually so those points are very um um appropriate for what we're talking about but one of the things that she said she found in a study a very similar study was 
those things, but also about worry because there's a chapter she talks about anxiety and she she says that there was a study done on those people that are dying and what amongst those other things, one of the things that they regretted was worrying so much. So, yeah. and I guess it's separate, but it's the same because one of the reasons people work so hard um, is because they're so worried, you know, they're worried that they're not going to be able to afford stuff or they're not going to progress as quickly. And obviously we know that, you know, risk is, you know, we've got to tie our camel and we've got to, we've got to do a bit, but our risk is ultimately written as well. So yeah, that's what on that. I was smiling as you were saying that because I I read something very very similar recently. And um, so yeah, it's it's true. It's 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 a regret that we don't want to have. And you know, you've got to as as cliche as it is, we've got to live each life each day like it's our last. Um, and really really make the most of it because you know we're not promised tomorrow. So yeah, and that is the attitude of the deferrers, um, which is something that. I personally don't. Each, as we say, as we as we said before, each to their own. This is just us going through the book and sharing our opinions. Obviously, everybody else's opinions is going to be different. Different um, strategies are going to work for different people. But yeah, I I I don't agree with a deferral attitude myself. I would also like to be new rich. So yeah, so that was the first one. So what was that? Um, interest and energy are cyclical. So the second point is. Um, or the second rule is less is not laziness. I am, I so agree with this one. Less is not laziness. Um, and this is the idea. The idea here is to be able to leverage out time. So basically, it's work smart, not hard. So you know, there are people that really, really, really gr- grind hard at a task that actually could be done much easier. But there's there's, there's this attitude where the harder I work, the more I grind, you know, the harder I hustle, as they say, the better my life is, the better my life's going to be. And actually, that's not the case. Um, people now are kind of cottoning on that, cottoning on to the fact that it's not about grinding hard. It's about working smart. Um, I can't think of any examples of this, actually. Can you think of, of any examples of working smart, not hard? Um, and there's loads but from the top of my head. I can't think of any. And now I'm work. putting you on the spot. So work, sorry. Hard, work smart, not hard. So I'm trying to think. Um, so I go on, go on, sorry. I think um, that not often applies, uh, what I can think of, in terms of business. So just yeah. because and it's not fair to people who actually need jobs, but from a business point of view, from a perspective of how much money can I make um, by cutting costs, and yes. um, you can get a machine to do the job of like three of your workers or four or five people of your workforce you're going to save lots of money by not having to employ these five although from a you know a social societal justice yes. point of view it's nice to have a way to employ people but from a personal business point of view we do live in a capitalist society where mm. themselves and we saw that from the pandemic last year when it, when it hit everyone just no one cared about sharing resources anyways people mm. are all crazy in the supermarkets but buying things out so from a business perspective then yeah um why sort of invest in for example uh in in people when a machine can do the job and this is what you see in supermarkets now in fact mm. um it's cheaper for supermarkets to have uh, self-checkout areas than yeah. it is for people to check out your food for you so unfortunately it's not good for society but from a business perspective that's completely yeah mold yeah and obviously there's something to say for as you said you know um employment and the ethical um issues of 
uh, of that topic. But yeah, from a business point of view, I think yeah, that's a good way of working we've smart. Comment from, um, we've got a comment from Sister Miriam. Mm -hmm. uh, an example of how to work smarter and not harder: use a wheelbarrow to move some bricks rather than doing it by your hand. Just be, so this is a really good way to mm. illustrate. Just because you can do something one way, the traditional way, the old school way, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best way. That's yeah. There's something there to help aid you. You're going to save your back. You're going to save your knees and save your joints. And you, all you do is push this wheelbarrow rather than having to pick up loads of bricks one by one. That takes the time up as well. That's that a fantastic point, yeah. No, that's <laughs> brilliant. By the way, she's Sorry, wrote another thing, though. Sister Moriam yes. has wrote another thing. Uh -huh. Then she goes, then again, you'd have to invest in the wheelbarrow so the real, real question is, are you willing to take that risk? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that goes on to some points coming later on about outsourcing and the uh, seeing not just money as a resource, but time as well. So we'll come to that later on. So that's a fantastic point. She's like foreseeing what we're going to speak about on the, in, on the show. Um, but yeah, if that, that's exactly it. And there are, there are loads of examples now of people working smarter so especially online you know um I, I can't think of any but you know um well, right i've got another example i can't think of any examples I've, you know, literally, um, you know working smarter and not harder so most people uh you know on their minds they have the need and the desire and the drive to want to make as much money as possible mm -hmm. um with like minimal effort as possible rather yes. than going to the old traditional route of getting yes so, for example, there's lots of so many uh, schemes online now where, you know, uh, you can be an Amazon affiliate. All you do is just, you know, build up social media leverage, yes. build up a, a following. And you can see how quickly it is, how fast it is. You can go viral on things like Instagram and actually yeah. TikTok now, faster now. And then people mm -hmm. use their social media leverage, for example, from a massive TikTok video that they can make. I can get millions of views, you know, over a million likes so quickly overnight. And then what they'll do is they'll leverage that social media traffic that's coming to their page. Yeah. Okay, guys, go use, go visit my YouTube channel, go visit my Instagram channel, right? And then they yeah. can uh, increase their business uh, revenue that way. And also things like just by advertising a product, they don't have to do anything. Sometimes just by getting into things like advertising and marketing, you're not really doing much. You're sitting behind the screen, which is yeah. a lot more to do anyways, but now you're getting paid for it. Yeah, so there's that's so many, like, business, what they call business hacks that you can uh, mm. get. And the hacks are you're smart and you prompted me to remember. So, yeah, that, those are fantastic ideas. I remember my examples now. So, like, the example of marketing and online social media uh, as opposed to the old school deferrers way of, like, leafleting. Do you remember people leaf, People still, yeah. like, leaflet? So why go? I know lots of people now still would rather leaflet than invest in their social media. They'd rather pay for somebody or do it themselves to go and leaflet, then invest in social media. So that's another example of not working working harder, but not smarter. And outsourcing as well, you know, getting somebody else. If your time is worth a lot, and um, say that you're, you, there are other areas of the business that you can't outsource, but there are some areas that you can. Um, like say, for example, you um, have a store and you need sandwiches rather than making the sandwiches yourself spending two three hours of your valuable valuable time as a business owner making those sandwiches outsourcing it to somebody else paying them less than what your hours are worth and outsourcing these tasks is another you know way of working smarter and not harder so yeah i'm definitely even though i couldn't think of any examples um they all escape my mind i am definitely 
an advocate for working smarter, not harder. Um, and it's something that the deferrers often really disagree with. It's that kind of old school, traditional mentality of doing it the traditional way. And I think it comes from probably, you know, sticking to something that's familiar. You know, this has worked all this time. So what if it ain't broke, why fix it? When in fact, actually, if you there are other systems in place to make it easier for you, then why not explore them? Why not take the risk if it's going to make your life easier? And then, you know, make that progression a lot faster as well. So, yeah, less is not laziness. Work smart, not hard. That is the second the second um, rule that Tim Ferriss teaches in his book. Um, the third one. Pardon? Oh, I didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, sorry. I keep on getting feedback. So I thought it was Mar um, Mariam. Uh, we do have a comment, though, from yeah, Rowan. Rowan, it's on the screen now. Using so an example of how to work smarter, not harder. Uh -huh. Use a made spreadsheet template to calculate things, like yes. invoices, rather than calculating things by hand. That's brilliant. That's a fantastic idea. That's a fantastic example. And it goes back to using about using technology or using um, uh, technology and machinery to be more efficient and be more productive. So yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. That's that's a very very good example. Jazakallah for that, Sister Rueda. So the third rule is, and this is again, I think something that we can a lot of us can. Um, uh can see in our own lives and can relate to so the third rule is the timing is never right so lots of us are in this mode where we're trapped in the life we have and the reason we say we don't want to do something else is because the time is the timing isn't quite right so it's not the right time to get married or have a baby or start that business or start that course or what, whatever it may be and in the book tim ferris says the timing is never ever going to be right and you just have to do do the thing, do whatever, and figure out the rest along the way. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes regardless. Just fix them along the way rather than putting them off. I think there's a really good quote that he says. Let me find it. Here it is. Waiting for someday will take your dreams to the grave. So waiting for someday, that someday, someday I'll do it, will take your dreams to the grave. And I think that's spot on. I think a lot of us, and I'm, again, guilty of this. I think the pandemic, um, as awful as it's been, has just blessed us with time um and 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 time and also that courage it's given everybody quite a different perspective and it's given us the courage to actually take the leap uh, and make the jump uh, and start those projects that we've always thought you know the time wasn't quite right for um i know that definitely applies to me and, and people that i know um but I also on the, on the, at the same time i do know friends and family members that are like well, it's not like quite right yet maybe when I've done this maybe when I finish studying maybe uh after uh, you know um I've worked so many years or maybe in this job or maybe after I've earned this much money whatever it may be um but what he's trying to say is there's always going to be an excuse and it's true there's always going to be something I've got I've had projects in the pipeline for years and I've always had an excuse until recently alhamdulillah um, and so, yeah, so the timing is never going to be right. Uh, and as he says, waiting for someday will take your dreams to the grave. Um, so, yeah, anything to say on that, Mariam? That's pretty much pretty straightforward and self-explanatory. Um, yeah, so Mariam's got a comment on the screen. <laughs> Another Mariam, just go for it. If you're prepared to risk it, then risk it. Exactly. You know, as I said before, regardless of whether it's the right time or not, you're still going to make mistakes. 
So as you said, as Tim Ferriss says, fix them along the way. At least you've started. Starting is the most important thing, just getting started and making that jump. Then after that, you, inshallah, will build momentum. And yeah, you'll make mistakes, but take the risk. You might not. And if you do, what's the worst that can happen? That's some, another point that we'll come, in, uh, we'll come to that um, he teaches in the book, you know, what is the worst that's going to happen? Um, and so, yeah, so that's definitely true. So the third point, timing is never, ever going to be right. Take the risk, do whatever you want to do and don't wait, don't defer it, don't, you know, leave it or delay it, do it now. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the third one. The fourth one is seek forgiveness rather than permission. I don't know if I quite agree with this one. And I don't know well, if I like seek, seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness rather than permission. So rather than asking somebody their advice or their permission, maybe like uh, a family member or a business partner, he says, just do it. Just do it. Don't ask. You know, like that thing where um, if you don't ask, they can't say no. It's that kind of like that kind of thing where it's like, don't ask, don't bother asking permission. Do the thing that you want to do. And if for any reason it doesn't work out or that person doesn't agree with it, it's better to, to seek forgiveness. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I agree with this. Um, or, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, what do you think? Do you know what that reminds me of? Um, do the thing that you want to do anyways and then seek forgiveness. Yes. It reminds me of that quote that people, um, that people often make sometimes. I'm trying to think of what it was like, but it's like, I asked, they say, I asked God for a bike, but he didn't uh, give me one. So um, what I did instead was um, I stole a bike and asked, I asked God to forgive me for doing that. Yes. Like in the end, it reminds me of that quote. Yeah, that, yeah, that is literally it. So I think, yeah. I personally don't agree with this one. We don't have to agree with all the points of the book. and um, We take what we can. But yeah, it, that does sound very, very similar. That's another thing he teaches. Seek forgiveness rather than permission, which is, yeah, not one that I, I think I would stick to. But I see kind of where he's coming from. He, obviously, he elaborates in the book. And it's something if you read the book, you um, can explore a little bit more. But just from the top, yeah, not for me, that one. So rule number five is emphasize your strengths. Don't try too hard to try and face your weaknesses. This is another one that I don't entirely agree with, but his point is to focus more on the things you're good at and where you are kind yes. of uniquely placed to leverage up your time and your skills. And so he's like, sorry, what was the point? Number the fourth rule. So the fifth one was to emphasize your strength. Don't uh-huh. don't try too hard to face your weaknesses. So his point is to focus on what you're good at, basically, um, mm. and and don't worry about being good at everything. Um, so I disagree to an extent, like I said. I think it's good to be self-aware. It's good to work on your weaknesses. Um, but I see where he's coming from. Folk, don't focus on them too much. I think often we focus too much on the negatives and on our weaknesses and don't actually pay enough attention to our, the skills that we have. Um, so I think I, I get where he's coming from, to focus on your strengths. And, you know, we each have unique skills and strengths. So to focus on them... Um, and use them to our advantage in order to progress in our lives, I think is is a good point. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. Like, I, th- I do agree to a certain extent. Like, you, you, I know you said you disagree, you disagree to a certain extent, but I disagree mm. with you a little bit because playing to your strengths means that you're not going to, I don't know, like, for some people, like, we have a habit as human beings to compare ourselves to other people a lot. Mm, yeah. And why can't I do that? And, when you fall into that mind of like frame mind, frame of 
I can't speak. Frame Passing of mind. brain. <laughs> yeah. When you fall into that frame of mind, um, you can re- lead into a very negative place mentally mm. and emotionally. So I think when you can focus on what's good about yourself and what works for you and how, what, what your strengths are personally, um, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be uh, successful in other people's fields, but you're going to be successful in your personal field. Yes. From that strength that you get, the strengths that you have, you're going to get more energy to uh, now invest in the pit, but bits that you find personally weak about yourself. That's that spot on. No, I, I'm in complete agreement. I agree completely. And I think he does touch upon it more in the book. It's not as black and white as the rule states. Obviously, we're just kind of glossing over it. But yeah, that's it. I, I completely agree. You like literally hit the nail on the head. Um, and we do. We Unfortunately, we live in a culture, and especially with social social media and all that kind of thing, that comparing to other people comparing our lives with other people's lives and comparing ourselves with other people is such a such a kind of uh toxic culture that's been created and that has come out of social media so yeah focusing on the good and focusing on the positive can i think be very good for not just our personal development but our well-being and mental health as well i think so yeah nicely put mashallah the sixth point oh actually Maybe we shouldn't get to the sixth point. I've just realised the time. We've got three minutes left. Do we have any comments, Mariam? No, I've been putting them up and we've been discussing them as we go along. Fantastic. So, are the eight points all together? Should we do the last? Should we do the sixth one and then we can do seven and eight next time as yeah. a recap? Let's see if we can fly through them. They're quite straightforward. So the sixth one. Um, this is a nice one. It's money alone is not the solution. So lots of us think that, oh, I can't do whatever because I don't have the money. But the whole point of the book is that the reason we want to be rich generally is not because of the money itself. It's because of the lifestyle we want to live, the lifestyle that the rich live. You know, we want to travel around the world and, you know, eat good food and all that kind of thing. And so, like I said, the point of the book is you can still do the stuff you want, um, but do it cheaper than you think. So it's not as out of reach that lifestyle isn't as out of reach as we may think. And then he goes on in the book, which we'll discuss in following weeks, inshallah, to, to show us how we can actually live that lifestyle without having that defer deferral mentality of you can only get that lifestyle if you work, you know, mm, your head yeah. off. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. So money alone isn't the solution. There are creative solutions. There are ways that you can still have that lifestyle without having to, like, grind your life away so that's point six you have any 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 points any any thoughts on that one well uh just one one uh comment from the previous point that you made go on uh, from word that m i feel like your strengths and weaknesses are yours and bettering your weaknesses only benefits you say that again your strengths and weaknesses are only yours and bettering your strengths but bettering your weaknesses only benefits you so yeah that that, i agree with that that goes back to what i was saying that i agree with this point but i also think that we should be self-aware and we should work on our weaknesses as well but i don't think we should focus on them so yeah we definitely should work on them and we should be aware but i don't think we should focus on them i think that's the point he's trying to make in the book so yeah jazakal hair for that comment that's a good point though but that last point so point six was money alone isn't the solution and that leads nicely into the point seven which is relative income matters far more than absolute income. So relative income looks at both the money and time crucially as being resources, whereas the old school deferral mentality is it's just money, time yeah. doesn't mean anything. It's kind of what we discussed before. Um, and actually this is, a, this is the difference. Have we got time? We've got a minute. So we'll wrap it up here, inshallah. We'll go on to, we'll, we'll 
we'll cover point seven and eight in next week's show. But Jazakallah khair for listening. And uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.